the thing that makes disagreements with family more hurtful is that we see part of our identity in our family members. We've grown up together. We see part of ourselves in them. And so when we disagree with them so strongly, it's hurtful to us. The Village Square, a nervy bunch of liberals and conservatives who believe that disagreement and dialogue make for a good conversation, a good country, and a good time. At the Village Square, we believe big things can happen when ideas collide inside the bonds of mutual respect. We're building the town hall of the 21st century across the partisan divide. At the Village Square, we talk about politics, religion, and race. You know, the topics your mom taught you never to discuss in polite company. When most separate, we gather across color, creed, and ideology. Listen, at the Village Square, we make pigs fly. Welcome to Village Squarecast. This is your host, Vanessa Rouse. Thank you for joining us for part two of the reunited states. This is a continuation of our discussion from the last episode with the director of the reunited states documentary and four people who are featured in the film. If you haven't seen this documentary yet, you're in for a real treat because it's absolutely incredible and provides so much hope during this time when our divisions are on display seemingly everywhere we look. But really, the truth is, there are countless organizations and heroes across the country working on bridge building every day. You'll be introduced to some of those in the Reunited States film. There are many ways to watch, including on Amazon, YouTube, and iTunes, just to name a few. Check out reunitedstates.tv to see all of your options and for direct links. And on the show notes page for this episode, we also have that link plus links to the other helpful bridge building resources mentioned by our guests during this program. Find all of that at villagesquare.us slash squarecast. If you're not convinced that you really need to see this film, check out the trailer we played for you at the beginning of the last podcast episode. I think you'll be hooked. Okay, let's re-familiarize ourselves with the voices of our guests. First, we have Ben Rickey, director of the film. You do this work for yourself to let go of your own anxiety and your own anger and fear. Next up, Mark Gerzon, author of The Reunited States of America, the book that inspired the film. Well, I think there's conservative and liberal in all of this, but the culture is not letting us be that way. The culture is not letting us be complicated. Next, we have Susan Bro, who lost her daughter, Heather Heyer, when a car drove through a group of counter-protesters in Charlottesville. I hurt because some of the things they say are very painful. Sometimes they're painful because they're true, honestly. And finally, we have David and Aaron Leverton, a couple who spent a year traveling to all 50 states in an RV to try to understand the people of our great nation and to discover what could heal the deep divisions between us. What I learned through my journey is that I was not as good as I thought I was, and they were not as evil as I thought they were. 
And when we start measuring human value, we lose sight of the infinite nature of human value. And it robs us of that human superpower of empathy. Also in this program, we have a cameo appearance from a college student, Caroline Kirk, who's involved in bridge building and offers some thoughts about her generation's role in reuniting our nation. We can learn from these people who are doing the work of bridge building, but we also have to make the daily practice um, to do it in our own lives starting now. This program is so timely and so important, and it's the first program in our new season called A Citizen's Guide to Healing America. You can find out about the other programs of the season at villagesquare.us or check back here on Village Squarecast to hear those soon. Finally, before we get started, a huge thank you to Florida Humanities Council and Tallahassee Democrat for making this program possible. We couldn't do it without your support. All right, so we're jumping back into this discussion just as Liz Joyner, Village Square's founder and CEO, is asking our guests some audience questions. So here we are, jumping back in with Liz Joyner. I'm going to ask a couple audience questions, and you can anybody can answer whichever one you'd like to or speaks to you. How do we navigate spaces and conversations where the political views held by some are ideas that threaten the safety of certain groups of people? And how do you deal with the deep sadness that friends and family members don't seem to share your values? Well, the honest answer, I cry a lot. <laughs> um, but I do keep trying to talk to the ones I can. I finally had to block a cousin on Facebook this week, and it broke my heart, honestly, because she was doing so well. She was coming along, and then she had a real setback, and I may try to friend her again later. But, yeah, I, I see... In my own family, people take one step forward and one step backward, two steps forward, five steps backward. I mean, it's a process, but you just keep trying and you leave the door open. If you if you start the us versus them heavily, now I, I'm speaking out more against an individual now than I have since he was elected. <laughs> but if if you try to leave the door open for other people to come in, they may eventually at least stick a toe in or peek around the corner. You have to leave the door open. I've seen, Erin, did you want to jump in? Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I think to answer your question about how to deal with the conflict of people you love and disagreement, take a listen to that Brene Brown podcast. It is so good. Um, she really addresses that. And she talks a lot about the difference between accountability and shame. And accountability comes from a place of love and honor. And shame comes really from a place of fear and like taking your pain in a direction of fear and sort of turning inward. And so, you know, we all are built differently. We all have, we're all on a journey, you know, and like my relationship with my parents, actually, I had to put that on hold for a year. I didn't speak to my parents for a year because there was so much dissonance in our relationship. but you know, we are being, we are in a process of reconciliation and we are beginning to learn to listen and to love one another through our differences and disagreements. And so I think just knowing yourself and knowing what you need, if it's space or time um, is really important. And just finding, um, like I, like, I think the important thing when it comes to disagreement is being able to see in another person I'm going to quote Les Mis, to love another person is to see the face of God. 
And I think when you can see the face of God in another person, that can carry the weight of disagreement. I, I love that. I, I think that the the family dynamics, the question that makes this so personal and hurtful for us, and this, what I'm going to talk about now is is taken from the Braver Angels, and they have a, a workshop called Family and Politics that is an online virtual workshop. It's super helpful to talk about this. But the, the thing that makes disagreements with family more hurtful is that we see part of our identity in our family members. We've grown up together. We see part of ourselves in them. And so when we disagree with them so strongly, it's hurtful to us. And add to that, it's not just a political disagreement. There's a lifetime of complicated family dynamics that are been this. It's like, you always love dad more than me. That time you've always treated me this way. And so you put politics on top of that. That's just a recipe for heartbreak and disaster. And so these are skills that we need to acquire. Like, how do we entertain this safely? How do we turn it off? How do we exit the conversation? How do we turn it down? This is a, this is a daily practice. This isn't something that we can just, you know, walk around and expect to know how to do overnight. So I would strongly urge, and, and one of the things that we're doing in conjunction with the film is on the website, reunitedstates.tv, we're in the works of completely overhauling it to disseminate these skills to, to people at scale. And so it's divided into how to depolarize yourself, how to depolarize your family relationships and your conversations. And it's kind of an interactive step-by-step guide that you can download and keep on your phone or send to someone you want. That's like, here's the 10 skills and here's what to say. Here's what not to say. This is, you need these skills right now. And Susan talks a lot about this as a former educator that these are the skills we teach children. And then with somewhere we learn, we forget them. And, and, you know, we're so we're out of control with our emotions. And so don't be too hard on yourself. Like take the first step, you know, check out this Braver Angels and stuff and just, you know, start the journey. We're, we're big fans of Braver Angels on, on a related question. So healing will require many, many one-on-one heart-to-heart conversations, all of which will take time, good faith, and patience. Do we have the time? It's a hard question, isn't it? I think we have to take time. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to heal overnight. And somebody dug up an interview I did in 2018 and was sharing it on Twitter. And I'd forgotten I'd even done the interview. But back in 2018, I even said, don't be in a rush to put your arms around each other and run to sing Kumbaya because that just doesn't get at the deeper problems and we'll be right back here again in a few years. And they posted at the end of my video. Well, here we are a few years later, (laughs) right back here again. Mm. We have to take the time. We have to allow that this is a deep need in our society for us to connect, for us to look. We are a very large country and geographically we differ, which has caused economics to differ. Society has set us into... I mean, there's so many ways we're broken apart. So yes, it takes time, but yes, we have to do it. I still love my cousin. I still love my family members. I hurt because some of the things they say are very painful. Sometimes they're painful because they're true, honestly. We just have to figure out our parts in causing division and not always say they're coming from someone else. I think transformation moves at the speed of relationship. And there is not a great way to speed this up or scale this up other than 
to be in the place where you are, in the neighborhood where you live, in the family in which you were born, in the community where you do life, and to begin the process um, of walking together and to heal and to open your heart to others. And, you know, like I've kind of gone through my process of thinking small and then like national, and then I'm kind of back down to here again to where what can I just do in the community in which I live and with the next door neighbors that I have and the people that I work next to, how do I walk this out? And it takes time. I think like Susan said, we didn't get here to this place to where our capital was breached for the first time since the British did this in the 1800s. We didn't get to this place in the last four years of the Trump administration. This has been a journey and a process. And so to, to begin the work of healing what's broken is going to take time, but it's relationships, opening our hearts to each other. And, uh, you know, sometimes that's a process of getting wounded and it's a process of feeling alone and betrayed. But to me, my brothers and sisters in this country are well worth it. Yeah. And I would just add to that. I think relationship, if we can value relationship over being right, then there's a door. And there's a quote, I, again, sorry, Brene Brown, but she says, if she likes can, Brene Brown, I have an you obsession haven't noticed with yet, Brene Brown, yeah. but she says, if we can show up to get it right and not to be right, then that's a, that there's a door there, even in disagreement. And I love that because I cannot tell you how many times on our journey I showed up and my curiosity outweighed my desire to be right. And I don't know that I even understood that at the time. So I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you, if you show up with your quote unquote other, like your Democrat nemesis or your Republican nemesis, and you're looking to, to just get it right and not to be right, like what, what can this person teach me that I currently don't understand? if you will open yourself up to the possibility that there is something that this person can teach you, the possibilities are endless. But also I think, I think it's important to be sensitive to the fact that there are large swaths of the American population who do not feel comfortable opening their hearts to violence and supremacy and hatred and stuff. And so that's not something I'm going to, you know, kind of preach to everybody, but I think it, right. it's a process that we all have to have to go on. Yeah. So question from the audience, how do we do this when we're, we have such different universes that we're living in that we, we, that we don't agree on what is in front of us. Agreement is cheap. Agreement is not unity. You know, th- that's, that's the misconception is that for us to be a United States of America, we've always got, we've got to agree and I think that's, that couldn't be any further from the truth. To me, to be a United States of America, e pluribus unum, out of many one, it is the fact that we see value in disagreement. We see value in different perspectives. The business world knows this pretty well by now. If you've, if you've got a boardroom of a bunch of mirror image of each other, you're going to have so many massive failures because you only see this one business challenge from one perspective. And the business community is starting to see that if we're going to 
tackle this problem that we're trying to meet through the marketplace. We've got to have people who see this from a different perspective. And so for me, where the goal is not agreement, the goal is a value of people's unique perspectives and, and to welcome disagreement because we realize that in agreement, we are weaker. In disagreement with honor, we are stronger. Yeah, Dr. King, love is the most durable power in the world. It can hold the weight of disagreement. It's important. It's important. If we love each other, I know that sounds maybe cheesy or corny or oversimplified, but it's true. Love can carry the weight of disagreement and love empowers disagreement to flourish into, I think, what our founders were envisioning. Ben. I will say, I will say that um, the beginning of that question is something that, that is quite troubling, which is we don't agree on facts anymore. And, and we live in two different worlds. And even to bring up facts is partisan now. And it's like saying my facts are better than your facts. I'm not, you know, I'm, well, I don't agree with those facts. And to demand that you agree to my facts is, ba is basically saying, you know, you have to play by my rules. And unfortunately, we're in this ecosystem now. And this is this is something we have to deal with. And so this sounds crazy to say, but I don't think the way into it is trying to find agreements on facts anymore. I think it's 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 actually trying to appeal to each other's pain and finding that common ground in, in our common pain, because it's so bizarre to say that uh, we're in this world where we live in two different set of facts and realities, but that's where we are. And it's the internet that did that. It's the media that's done that. It's social media. It's you know, elected officials, it's Russian bots. There's just so much stuff mashed up and thrown at us every day. And so I really think until we can get to a place of common ground to start with, to build with and rebuild the truth of whatever that means to most of us, we can't let that be prohibitive from starting this process. And I just want to make one other comment because I, I noticed we've only said the word pandemic once during this but we are at the peak of the pandemic and this social isolation. And I don't think it should be underestimated how much this is fueling what's happening to each of us. And this, you know, we're social creatures and the fact that we can't visit our parents and our newborn nieces and nephews and, you know, our friends is, cre is creating this social anxiety that's causing like this panic and this existential threat. And it's elevating everything. So, you know, on top of this is something is just recognizing these things are happening uh, is helpful for us to understand how to move past it. So I just I, I found it important to tie those knots together. So I want to bring someone into the conversation who's important to us. Caroline Kurt is our former intern who I believe the first time that we actually met, if I remember correctly, we had arranged the internship, Caroline. She is a fourth-year student at UVA, and I believe that the first time that we met was when we were preparing for, maybe even in the parking lot, to go into a Jefferson dinner that we were hosting in Charlottesville. Is that, is that the first time we met? Yeah, we met in the um, FedEx parking lot. I, <laughs> we were, I Ubered to you and joined you in your car. <laughs> and, and Caroline has kind of a small uh, world story because, and she's, you know, she's, been in Charlottesville for these last four years. Mm -hmm. You know, so she's had a really unique experience, but she also has a small world story that made me uh, want to invite her and, and maybe watch our conversation from a younger generation's perspective and throw in a little bit. Tell, tell the small world story first. Well, 
I've had the privilege to be at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville starting the summer after um, the white supremacists marched in August 2017 in Charlottesville. And that has certainly framed my time there. One of my professors has always said that we are students in a historic place at a historic time. And I think that's a badge that we all have to wear. And that contributes to us choosing to hopefully be mediators and unifiers like all of you guys have spoken about. But I had the privilege um, to meet Aaron and David in Charlottesville, I guess a little bit over a year ago now, just through a Bible study connection friend. And I really got to hear from them, their journey firsthand a little bit more recently after they had gotten back and then decided to land in Charlottesville. And mainly they talked to me about these same things, opening our hearts and seeing the hierarchies that have been created that place different humans at different value levels. And that's definitely also framed my last two years at the University of Virginia. And I have to say, I'm thankful to listen to you all as bridge builders. Also, like David said, we can't just jump to unity. And if there's anyone else on this call around my age or in college, I think that it's really important to see that we can learn from these people who are doing the work of bridge building, but we also have to make the daily practice um, to do it in our own lives starting now. And so I, I've just been lucky to learn for the past three years, first from Liz um, and then from many of you on this call and even in the film, be re reminded that it's that choice to unite every single day, I think was in the one of the quotes in the movie. So one of the things that makes me feel um, both incredibly sad and also a little bit panicked is when I think about us old folks, we've, we have this sort of thing in our mind about what a healthy civic space looks like. And so we can kind of check back and we often say, this is not normal. This is not what we want to be. We are moving away from what is central to our principles and ideals. It, it really um, scares me that I feel like your generation, it is normal, that this is what it's been like. And so I guess I, guess I wonder, I don't know what what maybe your generation knows and brings to this that our generation mm -hmm. doesn't get. I think for those who have already watched the movie and the documentary in advance, Stephen Olikara is featured and he is the CEO of a millennial action project. And so that's a little bit older than me, but still has some of those maybe stereotypes in a way that you Liz have spoken about, not in a negative way, but I think he said that we have the least attachment to the past and the most stake in the future. And I think my generation feels that strongly. It's been built in our core. We've been a generation who in school have been told that we are, we are next. Um, we have a stake in this. And at least in my experience, which is definitely a bubble at the University of Virginia, um, and then also growing up in Tallahassee, Florida, where the village square is, I've seen constant passion in my peers of every station, every type, every kind of human you could imagine that I went to high school with and now go to college with. And we've lived through turmoil in the past last week, like we were talking about with eyes. I think that don't want to see that happen any longer. And in the University of Virginia, my class entered, like I said, after the events in Charlottesville, and that has absolutely been a springboard for the conversations that we've had since the first week in our dorms we all were required to and i think i think that changes hearts and opens them and so i have hope for that for that group at least so susan was at the jefferson dinner as well i and i don't remember i know david we were on a panel 
the next day together, but I don't remember if you guys were there at that as well. So yeah, our our paths have crossed again. So I want to give y'all a chance to just sort of make some observations, something that you want to say sort of towards wrapping up. Caroline, stick around. And then, then I want to make sure that we get give you all a chance to talk about what you're doing next and how people can follow you and be closer to you as you take your journey from here. Well, I'd like to pick up on that, Liz, if I could, because the whole conversation about relationships and one-on-one and do we have time and 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 we have to do it one by one and it's going to be slow. I love that. That was a very rich conversation. I salute the wisdom in it. But I also want to remind us that towards the end of that conversation was going on a few minutes ago, we started talking about social media. And there's a lot that goes on in our world that's not one-on-one at all. It's For some people, it's one on 10 million. For Trump and his Twitter account, it was one in 90 million or 70 million. And so there is a way of accelerating the poisoning of our culture. And there is a way of accelerating the nourishment and healing of our culture. And that's through the media. That if we got rid of our phones and our, our computers, we could touch maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 lives a day, 30 lives. But suddenly with these phones and computers, we can touch, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions. And this film is to me a way of spreading healing energy. And so the same way other individuals who remain nameless have spread toxic energy, I think this film is about healing energy. I think Village Square is about healing energy. So I really want to encourage everybody to think every time you touch your phone, every time you touch your computer, every time you go to your computer, every time you pick a website, uh, every time you retweet or spread a message, that's accelerating the light or accelerating the darkness. And so we do live in this media. If you don't think so, watch Social Dilemma, the the documentary. And so I, I really want to just come back to the film in closing with my closing comments and say, what I'm grateful to about being part of the film is that you know, I wrote a book that touched several thousand lives, including David and Aaron's, which was great. Well, this film, I am convinced, will touch tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives. And I just want to remind each of us about the power of the media and to really use it, use it and consume it, generate it and consume it with consciousness and with care. And actually, as a footnote to that, we're going we're gonna to share with our audience links and and ask them to uh, share information with, about the movie and see if we can sort of dri- drive up all those eyeballs on reunited states. Anyone else? Closing thoughts, Aaron and David. You know, so uh, closing thoughts, it's hard to, to close, but you know, what my hope is for this film is that it serves as an encouragement to people who are not feeling that they have to be forced to be on the right or the left to people who believe they can be who they are in their communities, in their neighborhood, in their families, and can walk out a path of light, of life, of healing, of hope, because it can be a beat down and it can be a challenge. And so um, I just appreciate the, I appreciate Ben and the folks that put this film together, Raj and Soul and the you know, great camera people and audio people that, you know, that showed up here and there in these odd spots all across America that worked hard to put this film together because it's it's important work. And, and it's an honor for us to be a part of this because we're just normal folks. I mean, we're not like experts or PhDs or CEOs or something like that. We're just kind of two folks who are on a journey and we want to 
just hopefully display by our lives that you don't have to be someone powerful and important to go on a journey, that we each have an opportunity to open our hearts and to either be a force for light and life and hope and healing and American patriotism, if you will, or be a force for death, Um, and it's a choice that we all get to make. So I want to just encourage you guys uh, and gals who've watched this, that there's a community for you and there's hope for you. And it it is a life filled journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We love the film and we're honored to get to be a part of it. And we're so thankful to Mark and to Ben for saying yes in their hearts to something that maybe felt impossible at the time of birthing the book and then the film that we're, we're so thankful because I think right now what people need is hope. And this is a film about hope. Yes. Susan. I, I think, as I said, we have to understand that no matter what our age, young or old, we're capable of change. We're, are responsible for change. We are expected to continue to learn and to grow, change and expand as we move through life. And there will be unexpected twists and turns. <laughs> I used to be a person who had to plan everything down to the last second and that kind of flew out the door. <laughs> but one thing we're working on at the foundation right now, in addition to uh, strengthening our scholarship program, is developing higher voices, which is a program done with Elliot Cisneros of the Sum to develop empathy from the inside out and have people make the change internally and then move outward from that. I always said that you can't legislate true change. True change comes from the inside out, and and uh, that's what we're trying to work towards. Uh, with the foundation right now. And I think that's especially a strong need in our country right now. Let's all look at ourselves and our own beliefs and then reach out to others near us. Caroline. I just want to say that from tonight, Susan, you spoke so much to your own courage in the opportunities coming to you and then you having to choose to be a unifier and a mediator. And I think that's the daily call for each of us, but specifically myself as I move forward and into my last semester of college and then as a a graduate, that's all I could hope for is to choose that and to make it a daily practice. So thank you all for living those lives that the rest of us can hope to model after and create in new ways. Ben, sir. I am, uh, Liz, I think I told you this earlier, but when I... first started thinking about a film about this topic, you were one of the first people that I came across in my research. And I saw a video from you that completely changed how I look at what this film should be about. And so you may not know that exactly, but you were a huge inspiration in in setting off in this journey. And so I'm just fascinated by what kind of Mark talked about this chain reaction that starts to happen where, you know, someone's moved and moved someone else. And hopefully all the people on this call are already involved in this movement, but that, you know, this film, we really intended it to be uh, an invitation to the movement and to broaden this, to let people know that there is a movement to, to bridge our divides and that you can be a part of it. And it's something you, you can do every single day. And so the film 
we still need your help to get the word out. We're still a very independent film, you know, even though people like Van Jones and, and Megan McCain have come on board to help promote it. And we, you know, uh, hope that there's not, we could really help. Um, you know, if you, if you like the movie, please follow us on Facebook. All those little things really help us. If you, you know, if you liked it, leave us a review on Amazon or on IMDb Pro or any of these, uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sorry to, to be so shameless about this, but it really matters um, in terms of getting over the needle of, of being seen and, and becoming viral. And so I just would say, you know, if this moved you, please share it with someone. And that could be as easy as telling them about it, um, that it's coming. And so thank you so much. Uh, you know, this website is something that, that we hope can answer a lot of these questions more on like how to acquire those tools and what they actually are. And so we're, we're really excited to, to share this with people and, and appreciate your, your all help in joining us here tonight. I think we should go for getting you an Oscar. I think we can do it all together. <laughs> if it can just... If it can, <laughs> Hundreds of people on call and... <laughs> if it can just give anyone hope or just talk us off the ledge or just show us that there is a way. Like, I, I think we all feel so hopeless at times. And so that's all. It's just a, a little bit of a, a seed that we can plant. Everything else is, is the transformation that follows. David and Aaron, are there ways that we can support your work? And uh, do you guys have a podcast? We have a podcast that has gone dormant. More of an archive. <laughs> we've stepped away from some of the work that we've been doing to really hone in on what Dave said, which is really getting small and focusing. Dave's working with a nonprofit here and we're, we're living right now in Franklin, Tennessee. And Dave's working with an organization that works with the uninsured. He's worked a lot of health inequity Right now, just learning about that, that was something near and dear to our hearts after meeting Michelle, who people who have seen the film will know. And just understanding that at a deeper level and understanding what, what can be done to um, undo our, our health inequities. I'm speaking for you. Sorry. You're doing a wonderful job. Um, the organization he's working with is called Mercy Healthcare um, here in Franklin. And I'm just kind of trying to keep my head above water with three kids. And, you know, it's... Where are they? <laughs> have a babysitter. <laughs> Literally strangling them and putting their head under the pillow if they make noise. <laughs> I thought we'd for sure hear, see, hear them or see them one or the other. We can't do these without help. We really could not speak to you without assistance. It would be a three-ring circus if we didn't yeah. have a babysitter. But, yeah, I'm... I'm Caroline doing, is babysat for them. They're not, they're not the Caroline most just, you know quiet and compliant group of eight and seven and five-year-olds. Yeah. So yeah, we want to continue the work. We want to serve this movement in any way that we can. So we're just, we're in a, a season of transition and we're excited about what the film is doing and how we can serve in the future as well. If you look at our event page uh, for the audience, you can follow the folks who are on Twitter got their Twitter handles there. And Susan, how can people support your work? Tell them about your foundation. Well, the foundation is building an endowment for uh, the scholarship program. We've given out 20,000, I think it's 20,000 so far, and we have eight more going out this year. So there's always a donation link on the website, www.heatherhirefoundation.com. But some of that money is also going to build higher voices which uh, should eventually be a self-sustaining program through the fees for the adults, which will allow for the 
used to uh, go through the program for free. It's all in process, trying to figure out how to, to move higher voices from an in-person thing to an online event. And um, stay tuned. I'll let you know as things develop. Um, well, you've always all got a family here. Mark, tell us about this uh, movement that you've built. How can people get involved? Well, I think the first thing to do is to go to Reunited States TV, and it's going to direct you to various organizations that you know I care about. I would also go to the bridgealliance.us, where you can find out about, uh, we started that in 20, 2016. Go to bridgealliance.us and find out about 100 different organizations you know, that you can be a part of. And finally, Liz, I just have to say, support Village Square. You happen to be part of one of the best community-based organizations in the country that's doing extraordinary work with national impact and support and get engaged in Village Square. And if you're not in that Tallahassee area, uh, start another one and make make uh, make Liz work even harder than she does by having her start one in your city. So that's my plan. And tell why I like this guy, Mark Gerzon. And yeah, I mean, we've just got an incredible community of people who we're so connected to across our differences. And so, and you know, friends, I so appreciate you guys spending time with us. We're going to get you that Oscar, maybe more, right? How many Oscars can we be nominated for? And on behalf of the Village Square, Florida Humanities, Tallahassee Democrat, thank you so much for being with us tonight. And thanks to our audience. And good night, everyone. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, everyone. I adore you all. All right. We'll see you around. Hello again. It's Vanessa, your podcast host. I hope you enjoyed this discussion with these American heroes showing us how we can all be bridge builders. We thank them for spending this time with us and for their hard work in helping us bridge our divide. What I see in my own life is so many friends wrestling with our complicated situation inside of some of their most precious relationships, like a friend who never used to talk politics with the family, but now it dominates every interaction and quickly turns to an us versus you heated debate. And like the many people I talk to who express complete mystification at how good people can see things differently. And they're often asking, are they, meaning the people on the other side, actually good? Well, this has me thinking about Mark's comments about how we're all really too complex to be put on some line defined by the parties. That makes a lot of sense to me. My husband and I are registered with different parties, yet we agree on more than we disagree on. And we debate a lot. I'm not kidding you guys. On our first date 20 years ago, we debated affirmative action. So this discourse and dialogue has been a part of our relationship since literally the very beginning. Well, what's interesting is that when we start talking about an issue, it often seems like we're completely on different sides. But when we break it down and explain our thoughts and how our underlying values shape our opinions, we find that we agree on much more than it seemed at first. And I'll admit, there is a lot of agree to disagree situations, which I think is a good thing. But we both benefit immensely from the process of sorting this stuff out with someone who doesn't think exactly like us. And more often than not, what we learn from the other person replays in our minds as we move forward and helps shape how we respond to things in the future. 
I consider myself very lucky that I have this safe place to explore these complicated issues, and I realize that this might be rare. So how do we start the process of dialogue and healing and understanding in those relationships that are important to us, but feel especially strained right now? Well, thankfully, bridge building efforts near and far have got you covered. You're already connected with one, the Village Square. Maybe you could invite someone to join you here and then have a discussion about what you learned. Also, that family and politics workshop that Ben mentioned, offered by Braver Angels, sounds really incredible. And here's an idea I learned about in episodes 10 and 11 of Village Squarecast with Dr. Jonathan Haidt. One of the audience members decided to buy the book, The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion, for himself and for his adult children. Then he arranged a family discussion about it. These are just a few ideas, and really there are so many ways to dig in. And we've got links for you to explore on the show notes page for this episode at villagesquare.us slash squarecast. Please join us for the rest of the season, A Citizen's Guide to Healing America. You can find out about the other programs of the season at villagesquare.us or check back here on the Village Squarecast to hear those soon. Plus, we've got an upcoming God Squad program about cancel culture. Subscribe to Village Squarecast wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, villagesquare.us slash squarecast. To stay up to date with everything happening at the Village Square, visit us at villagesquare.us and sign up for our monthly newsletter. We'd be so grateful if you'd give us a review in Apple Podcasts. And we appreciate you listening to The Reunited States. Until next time, we challenge you to reach out with an open heart and mind to someone who doesn't look or think like you. It changes everything. We'll talk to you soon, and thank you so much for listening to Village Squarecast. Squarecast.